Welcome to the latest episode of Endpoints Shorts, presented by the ALS Therapy Development Institute. I'm Jonathan Gang. In these bite-sized podcasts, we're going to be tackling scientific concepts for people interested in ALS research, current clinical trials, and news from around the ALS space, all in 15 minutes or less. Our guide throughout this series will be Dr. Nadia Seti, ALS TDI's Director of Community Outreach and Engagement. Today, Nadia joins us to talk about Biogen's Tofersen trial for pre-symptomatic people with SOD1 gene mutations. So welcome back to the Endpoints podcast. Uh, we are joined again by uh, Nadia Seti to talk about a uh, clinical trial for a potential ALS treatment. And today we are going to be talking about Tofersen. So Nadia, to start us off, uh, can you just tell us what Tofersen is? Yeah, so Tofersen is an antisense oligonucleotide or ASO treatment for ALS caused by mutations in a gene called SOD1. Um, and SOD1 stands for superoxide dismutase. This is a protein that we all make, um, but in some people, a typo in their DNA. So a one letter error in their DNA code can lead to the SOD1 protein becoming dysfunctional. Our genes all code for proteins in our bodies, and each protein after it's made is folded into a specific shape that can then go off and do its job. So it has to fold into that very specific shape to do its job properly. And in some cases, a typo in the DNA can cause that protein to fold incorrectly, and that results in ALS. Um, So this dysfunctional SOD1 protein is thought to create a toxic gain of function that would theoretically be reduced by Tofersen. So when the protein's misfolding, there's a gain of toxic function. And when we um, shut that down with Tofersen theoretically, then we would hope to see improvements in ALS. So Tofersen's an ASO treatment that would reduce the production of SOD1. Um, And another thing that's significant about Tofersen is that it's the first ASO that's been tried in an ALS trial. Um, And then since this ASO, there are now four others that have been, or or since this ASO, there are now four others that have been um, in active ALS clinical trials. Got it. And yeah, so we've talked about um, ASOs uh, before on the podcast, but just super briefly, can we go over like basically what they are uh, one more time? Sure. So ASO stands for antisense oligonucleotide. And as I was saying, our DNA codes for proteins, um, but the way this happens takes multiple steps. Um, Our DNA first codes for messenger RNA or mRNA, and then that mRNA is ultimately what codes for proteins. Um, So an ASO is a small strand of nucleic acids, which are the building blocks of our DNA and RNA. Um, And that small strand of nucleic acids that makes up an ASO will bind or stick to a specific part of mRNA, and it can keep that from coding for a protein or a part of a protein. Got it. And um, so can you say a little bit more about what a SOD1 mutation is? Yeah. So um, genetic mutations are now thought to cause about 15% of all ALS. And SOD1 mutations were the first genetic cause of ALS to be discovered. And that discovery was made um, in the early 90s in 1993. Um, Mutations in SOD1 that cause ALS are found in about 2% of all ALS cases or about 20% of familial ALS cases. 
Um, and currently we know of over 200 different mutations or variants in the SOD1 gene that are associated with ALS. Um, it's important to know that SOD1 mutations can also be found in sporadic ALS. So SOD1 is a protein that normally functions to prevent what we call oxidative damage through our normal metabolic process, um, through our normal metabolism in our in all of our bodies. There can be damaging oxidation that occurs within our cells. And the SOD1 protein uses copper and zinc to help stop this oxidative damage from occurring. So as I mentioned, as I mentioned already, there can be mutations in many different spots within the SOD1 gene, um, but mutations in different spots within the gene might behave differently. So we generally inherit two copies of every gene we carry, one from each parent, and most ALS mutations are what we call autosomal dominant, which means that the mutation is not sex, uh, not sex linked, um, which is autosomal. And then um, we would only need one copy of that genetic mutation for it to potentially express itself. And that's what makes it dominant. So most of the mutations we see in SOD1 fall within this autosomal dominant category. People would only need to carry one copy of the mutant gene in order for it to turn into ALS. Um, but there's also an interesting concept called penetrance, um, which is very important. So even if a mutation is dominant, so meaning we only need one copy for it to lead to ALS, it might not be 100% penetrant, meaning that it might not guarantee that someone with this dominant mutation would get in their, get ALS in their lifetime. So if someone carries a mutation that's 100% penetrant, they would definitely get ALS over their lifetime if they live long enough. But some mutations clearly have less penetrance so that even if someone carries it, they might not develop ALS. Um, there is a point to my discussion on all of this. Um, within this trial, um, they're looking for people with highly penetrant, um, fast progressing versions of SOD1 mutations. Got it. Um, and so, as you said, this trial is for uh, pre-symptomatic people with SOD1 mutations. And uh, have we ever seen any other trials for pre-symptomatic gene carriers like this in ALS before? Yeah, that's a great question. So this trial is the first of its kind for ALS. Um, Tofersen is a treatment that has been submitted for approval to the FDA and other regulatory bodies around the world. So in the USA, we're now supposed to hear by April 25th, 2023, um, what the FDA decision is. Um, and so it is generally scientific consensus that when we see a person with ALS showing weakness and having symptoms, that the disease process has li likely been ongoing for some time within their nervous system. Um, we just didn't see any outward signs until the weakness began. So this trial is really innovative because it's looking for ways to dose people with the drug as early as possible, even before we might see weakness or loss of motor function. Um, and the goal of the trial is to see if we can delay onset of ALS. Now, because through this trial, the investigators are monitoring people for changes that might mean they're in earlier stages of ALS, the mutations that are being included in this study, like I said before, are those that are known to be both highly penetrant and fast progressing. Got it. And so um, since people in this trial don't have ALS yet, and they can't look at things like the ALS-FRS, uh, what outcome measures are the will the trial look at? So this trial is split into four consecutive parts. 
Part A is a natural history run-in where participants will get monthly blood draws to monitor their levels of NFL or neurofilament light. NFL is a protein that's given off when there's damage to a person's nervous system from many different causes. Um, in people with SOD1 ALS, it's been well documented in research studies that NFL levels rise about six to 12 months before outward symptoms like weakness begin. So again, in this first part of the trial, um, they're just going to monitor people for this rise in NFL levels in their blood. Um, and NFL in this context is a biomarker being used to potentially predict that someone with an SOD1 mutation is getting closer to active ALS. Um, and then for, for participants who see that rise in NFL but have no outward symptoms of ALS yet, those people will move on to part B of the study. And in part B, they'll be randomized in a one-to-one -one ratio. So there's a 50-50 um, randomization here. Um, and they will receive either active tofersin or placebo by intrathecal injection. Um, so an intra intrathecal injection is injecting the drug into the space around the spinal cord to get the drug directly into the nervous system. Um, dosing for people in part B is timed at days 1, 15, and 29. Um, and then monthly after that. Um, and then so for people who would then go on to develop outward symptoms of ALS, um, they will enter part C of the study. So um, this is for people who are now exhibiting some signs of weakness. Um, and then within part C, those people that were given placebo um, in part B will be given active tofersin, and those that were on tofersin will continue to receive it. So everyone's going to be getting tofersin um, in this part of the study. Um, and then to maintain blinding of the study so that participants um, don't know whether or not they got tofersin in part B, all participants will go through the dose timing that occurred in part B at days 1, 15, and 29 and then they'll move to a monthly dosing res regimen from there. And then there's also a part D for people who might develop ALS before entering part B of the study. So if somebody is having their NFL um, levels monitored and then they suddenly develop weakness, they go straight to weakness without seeing that change in NFL, those people would go into part D um, and they'll they'll be placed on active tofersin right away and there's no placebo group. And then the trial duration um, for this trial is about two years. Got it. Um, and so, as you said, uh, tofersin completed a phase three study in people with SOD1 ALS and has been submitted to the FDA for approval. Um, so what do we know about the uh, previous uh, results of the previous trial? Yeah, so the previous trial was called the Valor trial, and there was 108 participants in it. Um, and that was the the phase three study um, that uh, that's that's been submitted to the FDA now for approval. The primary endpoint in that phase three trial um, was evaluating the change in the ALS FRS score from baseline to week 28 in the study. Um, and this endpoint was not met. Um, however, there were secondary endpoints, including um, changes in level of the SOD1 protein in spinal fluid and um, changes in NFL um, in blood um, that were measured. Excuse me. Let me start back over with the secondary endpoints. Um, 
However, secondary endpoints included measuring changes in levels of SOD1 in spinal fluid and NFL in plasma or blood, um, as well as measuring strength in 16 different muscles, as well as breathing capacity. So the primary endpoint was not met, but there was a significant reduction in the SOD1 protein, as well as reducing NFL levels in plasma. Um, there was another analysis that was done that included the open label extension period. So the investigators went back and looked at the study data from, from the placebo controlled portion. And then they also looked at the able, open label extension data from people who all continued to get the drug. Um, and uh, that was after the 28 week placebo controlled part of the trial. So this data showed that people who had been on Tofersen longer and started Tofersen earlier. So the participants that uh, never were in the placebo arm, um, those participants did show improved outcomes. So if the longer they had been on Tofersen and the earlier, um, the better outcomes they had compared to those that were in the placebo arm. Um, and they saw differences um, in the breathing function, muscle strength, quality of life, and also less of a decline in their ALS FRS score. Got it. Um, and so do we know anything about how the FDA's decision about Tofersen approval might affect the trial? So we don't know that at this time. Um, we don't know what the impact will be either way, but if it's approved, it will be a good thing that this trial is already underway to hopefully delay onset of ALS, or at the very least to dose people with this drug as early as safely possible. All right, so um, generally, uh, where are the sites located for this trial? Um, um, yeah, so there are sites in the USA, Australia, Belgium, Brazil, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, South Korea, Poland, Spain, Sweden, and the UK. Got it. And uh, where can people go if they're interested and want to find more information? Yeah, if, if anyone's interested in more information, you can view our trial finder on the ALS TDI website, als.net, or feel free to reach out with questions at clinicaltrials at als.net. Awesome. Oh, yeah, thanks so much for uh, talking with us today, Nadia. Thank you, John. There are currently no treatments to stop or reverse ALS, but the ALS Therapy Development Institute is working to change that. To learn more about ALS TDI and our research to end ALS, visit ALS.net. Thanks for listening.